is it already time for the Denver Broncos to move on from Nathaniel Hackett and maybe even Russell Wilson? We talk about that. The Green Bay Packers big win over the Miami Dolphins and Minnesota Vikings with another crazy finish and more coming up next year on this edition of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Monday, so that means you have me, Kevin Ostrecker, one of the many NFL experts here on our network. Of course, we're free and available on all podcasting platforms, including over on YouTube. So be sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, also follow along with us in audio form. And we're here taking you through the biggest stories of the week here on the day after Christmas. So a very Merry Christmas, very happy holidays to everybody listening and watching here today. And we still have a Monday night game between the Colts and the Chargers, but we're going to recap a ton of what happened on Christmas Eve and also Christmas Day. So we're going to first be talking in the first segment about a crazy story, what has been one of the crazier stories in the NFL this year in the Denver Broncos and just everything that's gone wrong there with Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. We'll talk with Sarah Bedinger of Locked On Broncos about if it's already time for Denver to try and move on from Nathaniel Hackett and even Russell Wilson, if they even can move on from Russell Wilson with that massive contract. So we'll talk about that first. Then in the second segment, we'll talk with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers about a team that is trying to fight their way into the playoffs and picked up a big week 16 win over the Dolphins to keep their playoff hopes alive. And then finally, we'll stay in the NFC North and move over to Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings as we talk about the Vikings and that crazy finish another one another crazy finish for the Vikings a 61 yard Greg Joseph field goal we'll talk about that and the Vikings potential prospects at the number one seat so first let's dive into our conversation with Sarah Benger of Locked On Broncos about what is going on in Denver well it wasn't the best performance on Sunday for the Denver Broncos and that's putting it pretty lightly they lose to the Los Angeles Rams on Christmas Day, 51-14. to 14. Here to talk about the Broncos, what's next for the team is Sarah Benger, one of the hosts over at Locked On Broncos. And Sarah, let's first start with this game. I mean, obviously not a lot has gone right for Denver this year. What went wrong in this one? I think it's just kind of a combination of everything. Really, Russell Wilson, after the defense gave up a field goal to start the game, he kind of felt like, okay, maybe he could build off of what happened in Kansas City. You know, the comeback after the Broncos went down 27 nothing. he started to look kind of like the Russell that everyone knew in Seattle. And then, obviously, he throws a pick on the first two Broncos possessions, leads to, obviously, 17 points for the Rams, and then kind of just really spiraled down from that point. So the Broncos just kind of a little bit of everything, whether you want to talk about, again, offensive inefficiency, which has been the story all year. And they've had a couple of clunkers this season against the run. I know Josh Jacobs has had a couple really good games against them. Now Cam Akers of the Rams kind of putting on, this is like the highlight reel that he's going to show, you know, whenever he's a free agent. This is the game, like you're getting the best version of Cam Akers right here. Is this a game against the Denver Broncos? So that's kind of what it was. And obviously you see Baker Mayfield go out there executing the basics of Sean McVay's offense better than the Broncos have executed their offense all year. So it's kind of a crazy, crazy situation for Broncos country. It's really a combination of everything, not just one thing, but obviously, you know, rightfully so. I think a lot of the blame starts with Russell Wilson. 
Yeah, and let's talk about that a little bit more because obviously it has not worked out in any way, shape, or form based off of what Denver gave up both financially and actual compensation-wise for this deal. I mean, Sarah, is this already going down? It's only been one year, but already going down is one of the worst, if not the worst, trades in Broncos history. Well, it feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, even just from your outside perspective, like being in Broncos country, you can feel that from the from the fellow members of Broncos country like they're regretting getting Russell Wilson after back in March everybody was I mean ready to build the guy a statue for basically choosing to come to Denver remember that was a part of this whole factor is that he had the no trade clause in Seattle so he chose Denver he chose that situation that for the last couple of years, right? The talk has been the Broncos are a quarterback away from contention and you could feel that anticipation mounting. And now it's been so much worse, I think, than what people had, you know, hoped for, for sure. But even, even people with, you know, pretty tepid expectations, I would say it's been so much worse than what the worst pessimistic could have predicted going into the season. It's been so much worse than even that, especially you see a three interception game against the Rams where Russ is kind of going back to things that we really hoped we wouldn't see again from him this year. And we never thought that we would see in the first place, right? I mean, it was the first game. It said, I saw the CBS graphic during the game. The first time that he's thrown two interceptions, it was either in a single quarter or the first quarter of any game that he's played. So it's just not the Russell Wilson that anyone has known. And it's like, what, what is that all about? Because I, I don't know. I kind of refuse to believe he's fallen this far off in such a short amount of time, but I guess you never know in the NFL when that kind of thing is going to happen. Yeah, it's one of the more fascinating fall-offs we've seen throughout history in this league. Someone who obviously had so much success in Seattle for so many seasons. And it wasn't like he was terrible last year. Now coming in, just the, this immense fall-off. But Sarah, what do, you, what do you do now if you're Denver? Obviously, this is just the beginning of this massive extension that he signed. Obviously, you have Nathaniel Hackett, who has gotten some blame and some criticism this year. Do you rip this band? Is there any way for them to rip this band-aid off with Russell Wilson and just do a hard reset because they really, it feels like they're stuck with this for at least the next couple of years. It does. You know, I feel like they're going to kind of explore every avenue. And when I say they, I'm obviously talking about the new ownership group of the Denver Broncos, right? $4.65 billion this ownership group bought the team for. And I was thinking about this, you know, during the game. I'm watching it with my family on Christmas Day, right? And, and I'm embarrassed. Like, I'm embarrassed because I'm not everyone in my family is a Broncos fan. But this is like the one time a year we come together and we watch a Broncos game together. And I'm sitting there embarrassed. I can only imagine like what is the ownership group who spent 4.65 billion like what are they feeling what are what are they feeling at their you know their monday meeting and their tuesday meeting when it's like man like that's the team that you bought huh you know it's like i i don't know what they're feeling i don't know what they're planning on doing but i think that wholesale changes are potentially on the table right and russell wilson 124 million for sure guaranteed potentially 161 million if he makes it that far uh, it, it, i mean I don't know how do, how do you rip off that band-aid? Does does simply having a ton of cash in your pockets as an ownership group does that allow you to be able to say all right, you know what? It was so bad, you know, we're going to we're going to start from scratch, right? I don't know what kind of like I don't know what that flexibility is like as an ownership group in the NFL or do you stick with it and say, "Hey, Let's see if if changing the coach helps. Let's see if maybe do we need to give a head coach with general manager powers? Do we need to move on from GM George Payton? I think all options are going to be on the table. And one person's opinion that I think does hold some weight here, this is not just for like, you know, any sort of clickbait or anything like that. I think Peyton Manning's opinion holds a lot of weight 
with this ownership group. So that's going to be an interesting factor, not to say that he would be the next general manager or even president of team operations or anything, but he, he's pretty chummy with the ownership group. So I think his opinion is going to hold a lot of weight in what happens for this team's future. It's going to be fascinating to see what that means for Russell Wilson, but I just, I don't know. It just doesn't feel realistic to say, you know, you've spent 124 million guaranteed on Russell Wilson, paid him almost 60 million here in 2022 alone. Now you're just going to say, all right, uh, it, it's it's a sunk cost. You know, we got to move on as quickly as possible rather than give it a shot. I don't know. That doesn't feel realistic to me. But in as shocking as the 2022 NFL season dating back to the offseason has been, wouldn't be overly surprising either. Yeah, I know that there would be a lot of loops the Broncos would have to jump through, it seems like, to get out of that deal one year into it or just with one year under the helm for Russell Wilson. But, Sarah, what do you want to see heading into the offseason? Is this a situation where you want to see a new coach in here with Nathaniel Hackett being on the way out, any roster changes, other positional-wise? What do you want to see if the Broncos decide to keep Russell Wilson on here for at least 2023? It's such a weird position because you wish you could just say, well, I'd love to see them get a new head coach in there and see how he can change things around. But we've done that how many times for the Broncos since they won the Super Bowl, right? You've brought in all these different coaches, all these different quarterbacks. Really, the team just needs to continue to build the roster. I think they do need to probably make a change at the head coaching spot, right? At the very least, Nathaniel Hackett hasn't done a good enough job. I would say, I mean, if that's, I don't think that's an overreaction at this point to say that he hasn't done a good enough job. You got fights breaking out, players after the game, Randy Gregory literally bragging about punching a guy in the face, Dalton Reisner shoving the backup quarterback on the sideline, you know, players yelling and screaming at Russell Wilson during the season. I mean, how many more examples do we want to see here that this is out of control in Denver? And the ownership group is going to be embarrassed by that. I think they're going to bring in, and I would love to see a veteran head coach give Russell Wilson some people around him who he's maybe familiar with in terms of assistant coaches or even the head coach and see what happens because you, I think you've got to give it another year at this point, right? I don't know that they can just say, all right, let's move on. Let's go to another bridge quarterback. I think Russell Wilson is the QB in 2023. I'm okay with that. If it comes along with different coaches, because I think that could help him maybe, maybe turn some things around. Yeah, well, there's certainly a lot to turn around in Denver right now. And for more on the Broncos and everything relating to the team, be sure to follow the Locked On Broncos podcast and subscribe on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Sarah, I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Plenty of storylines for Denver now as they move into their offseason and whether they will try to move on from Nathaniel Hackett, whether they will try to move on from Russell Wilson and so many more. But coming up in our second segment, we will be diving into the Green Bay Packers with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. So don't go anywhere. Still a ton to dive into here on Locked On NFL. But first, this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. And in fantasy, I had a run. I did not get a Christmas joke, though it looks like it's not looking good for me in a lot of my leagues, unfortunately. But if you want a different twist on fantasy and still want to try it out, be sure to go check out Prize Picks. Prize Picks is super easy to use, and you can have a ton of current entries. And how it works is you pick two to five players, and if they will go score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to ten times the money on any entry. There's no competing against other people, so it's you versus projection available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including the NFL, the NBA, the MLB. NHL, PGA, college football, college basketball, and more entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They have safe investment draws in the currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PriceBix app or go to PriceBix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive 100% of the deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PriceBix will give you 
under allows you to deposit $50 prize space will give you $50. Don't forget to enter promo code locked on at sign up for this and deposit match of up to $100. We're back here with our second segment of Locked On NFL on Monday, the day after Christmas. Kevin Ostriker, your host, still here with you. And we just talked about the Broncos. Now we're going to move in to the Packers with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Green Bay picking up a very important win over the Miami Dolphins to keep their playoff hopes alive. So we'll talk about those playoff hopes and more now with Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers. Well, the Green Bay Packers pick up a big, big win against the Miami Dolphins in Week 16, 26-20. Here to talk about that, the Packers' playoff chances and more is Peter Bukowski, the host over at Locked On Packers. And, Peter, this is a game that I know not a lot of people expected the Packers to go into Miami and pull this one off, but four turnovers for the Dolphins. You have three interceptions late in that game. How did the Packers stop this high-powered Dolphins offense? Well, I mean, listen, you, you don't expect to go to Miami and have it be 48 degrees at kickoff. There was some some videos showing what seemed like snow. It turned out it was bubbles, but it was and it was a Christmas thing. But it, it sort of felt like for the Packers going into that game, it's like, okay, it's going to be cold. It's going to be 50% Packer fans. If you watch the game, like any big Packers play, you heard the stadium erupt. It was pretty remarkable, and I think I think Kevin for for the Packers as you try and and push them forward, they have to win the next two games um, to to be in the playoffs. But it was winning in a different kind of way that stood out to me. This was defense and special teams. The defense, the much maligned Packers defense, they get three interceptions. They force a critical fumble down twenty to ten at the end of the first half. Jerron Reed forces the fumble at, at about midfield. The Packers recover. They get the field goal. It's now 20 to 13 at halftime versus, you know, worst case could have been 27 to 10. And the game is practically over. The Packers got the ball to start the second half. They tie the game and we're off and running watching this game. So the turnovers were critical and it was ultimately a Russell Douglas interception that sealed this one for the Packers. They pitched a shutout in the second half against the Dolphins after it looked like the Dolphins were going to easily get to 30 in this game. And it's impressive that they were able to hold that Dolphins offense to no points in the second half, especially with all the weapons they have. And the big play early to Jalen Waddle, that was a big one. But the run game, Peter, I know we've talked about it multiple times, you and I. The Packers only averaged 3.2 yards per carry in this game. Aaron Rodgers throws the ball 38 times, but you have A.J. Dillon with 11 rushes for 36 yards. Aaron Jones, 6 for 25 was the run game something that you thought would be something that they would lean on in this game? Or did you think it'd be more Rodgers throughout? You know, I didn't because I I know that if if you're going to do something to this Dolphins team, you can attack them through the air, which is a weird thing because coming into the season, we thought the pass rush, the defensive backfield, that was going to be the strength of this team. Xavier Howard has not played to that level this year. Byron Jones has not been healthy. So they're playing, you know, they're whether it's a journeyman or it's a UDFA or it's a rookie, you know, it's, there's, there's kind of a patchwork defense back there. And so I thought, okay, they need to be balanced enough to make play action viable. And that's exactly what they did in this game. You mentioned the, the it was not a banner game running the ball, 3.2 yards per carry, but 25 carries in this game versus 38 passes. That's not a crazy split. Now, okay, uh, three of those were kneel downs by Aaron Rodgers, right? So we're not, we're not quite you know, being, being totally fair on that. But I think that the Packers came into this game, believing that throwing the ball was their best option for winning this game. This Packers offense is predicated on being balanced because they, they lean so much on play action and pre-snap motion and, and the run game influencing the passing game. And they, they did not perform as well as I think they could have Aaron Rodgers, miss Christian Watson, 
on fourth down for a would-be touchdown. Miss Christian Watson inside the five for a would-be touchdown and took a sack in the red zone that 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 cost them a good opportunity to score a touchdown. This was a game where the Packers, you know, they scored 26. It could have easily been 36 uh, but with, without much of a problem. And, and just to go back to, to one note that you made on the Packers defense that we opened the show with. So the Dolphins, they, they put up 376 yards in this game. Well, 84 of those came on the Jalen Waddle touchdown and 52 of them came on a Tyree kill play. That was nearly a touchdown. So you're talking about a third of their offensive production in just two plays the rest of the game. And for most of the second half, this Packers defense was spectacular. The final three possessions of the game for the Dolphins ended in turnovers. That's a defense getting it done and playing complimentary football, Kevin, for the first time really all season for the Packers, at least against a good team. Because the only other time they have a win against a team we think is actually good, the Dallas Cowboys, the Cowboys hung 30 on them. They did not play well defensively. It just so happened Aaron Rodgers was good enough offensively. This was the, this was the game where they played their most complete complimentary football game of the season. And you need those. You need to stack those performances. Now you mentioned two games left. The Packers have to win both of those. You have two divisional games, the Vikings at home, then the Lions at home. So you get to end both at Lambeau there. Do you think the Packers can win those games? And what, what do you place Green Bay's playoff chances at right now? If you had to give a percentage. This is what we, this is what we follow the game for, right, Kevin? I mean, like, this is, <laughs> this is, the, this is, the, this is playoff time. I mean, for the Packers, these are, they, they have the feeling of winning in kind of games. You win the next two you have to feel good. So, so the scenarios are if the Packers win the next two and the commanders lose one or the giants lose both. So that's the scenario. The Packers have to win out and get one of two scenarios in the NFC East. Either the commanders lose one game or the giants lose two. And that gets you in because you're going to beat the, the lions who you're fighting with for that last playoff spot. And you beat the Seahawks in a head to head if you lose out. So, that's that part of it. The question then becomes, okay, are the Vikings going to play their guys? Because they don't really need to. Now, the, the Eagles losing, maybe, does that complicate things? Because now the Eagles, they're still one game away from clinching that one seed. But, you know, the, the Vikings could still be playing for that one seed. The Eagles, we don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to play, right? They could, they, is it crazy that they would lose their next two games? I don't think it is. So the Packers also want the commanders to have to play for something in week 18 because the Giants and the Commanders both play the Eagles and the Cowboys in week 18. So you you want those games to mean something. For the Packers, you know, depending on what models you look at, if the Packers win out, they have an over 80% chance of getting in. It's basically if they if they win out, they're in. Now, the hard part is winning out, right? They they lost to the Vikings in week one um, in a game where the defense uh, did not come to, to play for, for the first half of that game. 23-7 was the final. Now, Christian Watson drops the 75-yard touchdown on the first drive. The Packers fail on fourth and goal at the one-yard line. So that game was actually, I think, a lot closer than people realize. Coincidentally, the only Vikings game this season that they have won by more than one score in NFL record. So... I have been dying on this paper tiger hill for the Minnesota Vikings. If the Packers lose to the Vikings, especially by more than one score, um, I might have to cancel Twitter, um, which I might have to do anyway, to be honest. But so this is this is the part of the season where you want to be playing your best. And I think to really underscore that, Kevin, Matt LaFleur in three NFL seasons as the Green Bay Packers has head coach has not lost a game in December. In three years, 15 wow. and zero 
in December. The question has been, can they win in January? What a great opportunity to prove that they can win more consistently in January than playing what are essentially two playoff games before the would-be playoffs. And wouldn't they love, absolutely capital L love, not Jordan, to go and be the seven seed after beating Minnesota in week 17 to go to Minnesota for a 2-7 matchup in the first round and have an opportunity to prove once and for all, sorry, Luke Braun, that the Vikings are, in fact, paper tigers, which they are. <laughs> well, how sweet it would be, and especially to pick up those two wins against division opponents to get into the playoffs in the first place and have that opportunity. Storylines galore in that one, absolutely. But for more on Peter's work in the Packers, be sure to follow and subscribe to the Locked On Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Peter, thanks so much. It would be something. It would be something if Minnesota and Green Bay matched up in the first round of the playoffs after Green Bay won those final two games. And of course, they first have to take care of their business in week 17 and week 18. Coming up, though, in our final segment, we will be diving into the Minnesota Vikings with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings and talking about another wild finish in Minnesota. So be sure to stay tuned. Still, a ton of dive into on the show. But first, I do have an important announcement. And you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but now you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. Or the odds will get pulled over anyway. And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You tow to your car. Even you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, the stats don't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We are back rounding out Locked On NFL here on Monday. Kevin Ostraker, your host, still here with you. And again, thank you so much for making Locked On NFL your first listen of the day. Be sure to make your second listen of the day, Locked On Sports Today. The biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less, plus instant reactions, game recaps, and Locked On's take of the day. Locked On Sports Today, available on YouTube wherever you get your podcast. But now we're going to talk with Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings a bit about their crazy game against the New York Giants in Week 16. Also, there are chances at the number one seed and potentially that round one matchup with the Packers if everything falls a certain way. So let's dive into that now. Well, there's something about the Minnesota Vikings and playing on Saturday and having crazy finishes. It happened again in week 16. You got a 27 to 24 last second win on the leg of Greg Joseph, a 60 plus yard field goal as time expired. And this one, Luke Braun of Locked On Vikings is here to break it all down with me. And Luke, I'll first want to get your reaction. What is going through your mind as Greg Joseph comes up and kicks a field goal in a situation where the Vikings, honestly, the game should have been going to overtime, but the Vikings pick up a huge gain on third down to be able to get Greg Joseph that opportunity. Yeah, so it was great. It was one of the first games in a long time I got to watch with my mom and my stepdad because I live out of state, so I don't get to watch a lot of games with them. And what a great one for it to be, right? Well, this nice, close, back-and-forth game. <laughs> and the whole time I was kind of... But my, my stepdad was being extremely positive. Like this will be a touchdown. You know, this is going to be, and he was like calling it too. Like he said, no, we're going to have a touchdown on this play. And it was, it was the TJ Hawkinson, like really cool one on, on that yeah. wheel route. Um, and I was going at 61 and I was like, I watched this dude in camp hit 55, 56, 57. And people were really excited. And then we watched him. We watched Greg Joseph miss from 54 plus like five times this season. And he's never made more than 56 in his career. And there's never been an, in any Viking kicker that has made from over 56 in the entire history of the franchise. I'm going, there's no way this is a, this is fine. 
they'll go up, they'll try to kick this. It'll be, you know, way wide and it'll be, we'll go to overtime. I'm like, there's no way. And my stepdad's going, no, they're going to make it. And sure enough, it goes in and he's like, what did I tell you? <laughs> so there you go. I'm sure everybody had some kind of experience like that, or so there's somebody being negative, somebody being positive, but I, I couldn't be happier to be wrong. Yeah, a Christmas real cool in every sense of it. As we now have another <laughs> Mike one, has actually got a good thing out of a kicker. Yeah, yeah right. They they, cool. they got multiple good things from this weekend. Is the Eagles lose? So now there is mm-hmm. still a chance that the Vikings can actually get the one seed. Now a lot does hinge on Philadelphia, but the Vikings also have to get the job done their own way. Right. What's your What's your take, Luke, on the one seed? Is it something that you would like the Vikings to have have that first round? I know there are people on both sides of it where some people are very superstitious about the extra week of rest is not good for the players but other people they want that by because it obviously is very valuable with the nfl where everybody's beat up this time of year well i got tickets to wild card weekend so i personally <laughs> am a little biased <laughs> no i of course i want the vikings to be to get the, the buy right like my own well i don't personally but of course it's better for the vikings to get the buy um but i still kind of feel like it's pie in the sky a little bit because the eagles would have to lose against both um the saints and I think that who do they have week week 18? Is it the Giants? I think it's the Giants. Yeah, The Giants. Yeah. And uh, the Giants are a reasonable enough team and maybe they can give Philadelphia a run for their money. I don't really believe in the Saints yet. I mean, you can hear, listen to Ross talk about it. I don't think that they're <clears throat> that they're uh, the sudden juggernaut or anything like that. And the Vikings have to win out, too. And that's two divisional road games. No matter what state Green Bay and Green Bay's hot right now, no matter what state Chicago's in, even in week 18 playing in the division on the road is always going to be a tough proposition. So it's four fairly difficult games to all parlay together. It's not out of the question, but it certainly still feels a little bit like pie in the sky to me. If anything, as a Vikings fan, I'm more worried about them losing the two seed and getting caught by San Francisco. And then in the event that both they and San Francisco win wildcard weekend, that's not a home game anymore. And that's if, if anything there is to worry about for me, it's, it's that, but the Vikings are not worried about that at all. They have already kind of said, and even said out loud uh, on, in press conferences, that they are way less worried about seeding than they are about entering the playoffs healthy. So they, they did this in the Giants game a little bit. They had Eric Kendricks on a snap count. He was playing kind of limited hurt a little bit. They used uh, rookie Brian Asamoah. They wanted to get him some run anyways. Harrison Smith was on a pitch count. They got guy. They used a little more Alexander Madison over Dalvin Cook. So they're already starting to kind of get a little preseason-y with these games because it's like second or third seed is just not nearly as important to them as being healthy and being ready for the actual games. Right. And there's a wide range of outcomes that the Vikings could finish. And maybe it's one, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, but one of the division rivals is looking to get into the playoffs. The green Bay Packers winning against the Miami dolphins on Sunday. And now the Vikings match up with green Bay, obviously next week. And they have the chance to play spoiler in terms mm-hmm. of knocking the Packers out, because the Packers realize we have to win both these games coming up. But we talked with Peter Bukowski in the second segment, Luke, and he said how sweet it would be if the Packers were able to win both against the Vikings Ooh. and against Detroit, Careful get what in for. the seven seed, and then play Minnesota in wildcard weekend as the two seed. What say you, Luke, brought about that? <laughs> how the shoe is on the other foot. I remember last time, last year around this time talking to Peter in our crossover, the Vikings were more or less eliminated, but they still had an outside shot at the seven seed. They were kind of in this similar spot to the Packers where they needed to win out and get a bunch of help. Um, but the 
like the the Vikings of 2021 were so chaotic that I was like, oh, it'd be so funny if we went into the seven seed and had to travel to Lambeau. That's going to be the weirdest playoff game ever. And we are absolutely not a better team, but we would still give you a run and make Packers fans really nervous. And I really wanted that because I was I thought it'd be funny. Oh, how the shoe is on the other foot that now the Vikings are the real boy team and the Packers are just looking to play spoiler. Uh, look, of all the teams that we could face, Washington, um, you know, the the Giants, the Seahawks, all of that, like even the Lions, I think the Packers might be the one I fear the least. They are in a really weird way in their offense, and I think they're particularly easy to game plan for. I think the only reason they didn't lose against Miami is because Tua pissed down his leg. <laughs> and I think they've gotten a couple of wins against some not very good teams and they're getting a little big for their britches. Now I would love to put the Packers away, but I also love that if we don't put the Packers away in week 17, we, we might get another chance in a couple weeks. Or, I mean, that week 18 game is lions Packers and that could be a winning in the way that Seattle's collapsing and Washington's collapsing and all that. That could be a, a, a game for a wild card. That could be like a play in. So that would be pretty fun for that. And then whoever wins that game gets to go to U.S. Bank Stadium and get squashed by the only good team in the division. <laughs> Incredible division smack talk. Two teams, again, they could be playing in a couple weeks. They're playing on Sunday. But, man, I think it'd be incredible if these two were able to match up a third time and see if Minnesota can put them away for good. So Luke and Peter would have to get together and have another amazing crossover for that one. Yeah, that'll be fun. It'll be a spicy crossover. I'll try to needle him a little bit. Okay, all right, good. I'm glad about that. But for more on the Vikings and their seeding chances and more, be sure to follow Luke over at the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Luke, thanks so much. Another chapter it would be in that storied rivalry between the Packers and the Vikings, and I, I do want to see another Peter and Luke crossover. So if that's what ends up happening in round one of the NFL playoffs, Minnesota and Green Bay, 100%. I am 100% here for that but that's all i have for you here today on lockdown nfl thanks so much for tuning in today to our show when we get back here tomorrow i'll be diving into more nfl content with your tuesday host so be sure to stay tuned for that and we'll see you right back here tomorrow